So, okay, now that that really turned things up. Okay, there we go. That's uh, somewhat better here. Let me turn it down a little bit. Uh, 
There we go. We should be much better now. I must have hit a setting somehow. Okay, well, friends, hey, here we are. We are uh, live, and sometimes you get that first thing in the morning with the, with the technology, even though I test prior to going uh, prior to going live. Sometimes things, uh, once we go live, get a little bit weird, and that's kind of what we had happen here for just a couple seconds, but we are good now. Uh, it ties in with the theme that we're talking about anyway. We are talking about... Uh, the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare, the spiritual realities that we face in life, and it comes in all shapes, forms, sizes, all kinds of things. It is all there, and uh, sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's in our brains. Sometimes it is... Uh, uh, sometimes it is just all kinds of different things. So. Uh, anyway, I, I come before you this morning. We're going to be looking at the armor of God today. Uh, and there's a lot of questions that we're going to be talking about, uh, issues that we'll be considering, and um, hopefully it all makes sense. We are in the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, and so we are going to jump into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says this, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, yesterday, and there's still a question I'm going to have to come back and deal with in a day or two. I'm not ready to do it yet, the one that was asked yesterday. Um, but the reality of spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict, I mean, we do live with spiritual conflict. The people in Ukraine did not ask for the war, but it came to them anyway, and the, the fact of the matter is, uh, we, like the Ukrainians, the war will come to us anyway. The spiritual conflict will come to us anyway in all different shapes, sizes, varieties, uh, and all those different things. And so Paul tells us that we need to put on the armor. Excuse me that we need to put on the armor of God so that we can stand up against all the devil's schemes. It says this, let's look at the first couple of verses. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Yesterday, we talked about how do we be strong. We talked about the necessity of prayer. Uh, we, I'm going to sneeze again. Excuse me. Uh, we talked about the necessity of worship. We talked about the necessity of being in the Word of God. We talked about all of those things uh, that will help us, the importance of fellowship, the importance of not isolating ourselves away from other believers. It's important that we that we get near other believers so that we can be strengthened and fortified uh, in our lives. So uh, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord by practicing his presence, by thinking about the fact that he is there all the time. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Verse 11 says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, the devil might come at you straight on. I mean, you might see it coming. I mean, it might be temptation that comes at you. Uh, it, it, it could be some other uh, assault by a, a through a human being, perhaps satanically motivated, satanically driven, that perhaps will come at you. 
Uh, that can be the devil's schemes. But more often, his schemes are more subtle. More often, his schemes are more deliberate. More often, uh, his schemes are things that you might not see coming. His, his, he comes at you from the flanks, from, from, from either side, or he comes at you from the rear. Often, he doesn't come straight at us. Uh, he, he, he figures out some other deceptive way or something that we're not going to see coming. And so we need to be fully alert fully aware of all the devil schemes that uh, that will come at us. So he says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand your uh, take your stand against the devil schemes. We talked about this yesterday for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. We talked about that yesterday, the reality of spiritual forces that uh, that are at war against us. And then he gets into verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God. If you look back at verse 11, he says to put on the full armor of God. Uh, and then in verse 13, he repeats again, put on the full armor armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. So um, the armor of God, we're going to discuss, we're going to try to explain what the armor of God is, but I also want you to look at verse 11 again. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand And then in verse 13, when he talks about putting on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. I mean, it's kind of the image, and some of you have heard this me teach about this before, but it is kind of the image and kind of the idea of, you know, you come out, you, you, might, you might be charred, you might be dinged, uh, you might be... Uh, bruised up, you might be battered, you might be kind of bloodied, but you will stand. Uh, the, the implication here is that, uh, you know, we we might ne- not necessarily go through this and it's like, oh, that, you know, uh, it's like um, just a flesh wound. I can't think of Monty Python, just a mere flesh wound. No, it's, it's going to be much more... Uh, involved than that, much more engaged than that. Uh, it, having done everything, it's like you, you have expended yourself totally, entirely, and completely, and uh, but yet you come out standing up on your feet. Verse 14, he repeats the word, stand firm then. So just the idea here of standing. Sorry, I went silent for a moment. Another sneeze there. But uh, to stand firm, what will it take for us to stand firm, to be aware? Let's begin talking down through this armor of God. Let's read these verses. He begins in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness, that's the second one, in place 
The third, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's the third one. Fourth, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith. That's the fourth one, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then lastly, take up the helmet of salvation. Did I get all those? There are five. Armor of God. Belt of truth is one. Breastplate of righteousness is two. Uh, our, our feet fitted is three, shield of faith is four, helmet of salvation is five, five weapons, five things that we put on. Uh, and then also there is um, the sword of the spirit, so there is six, five that are defensive in nature, one that is offensive in nature um, that we take. So uh let me give you some some background, some insight into uh, some of these things. Now, the first thing I want to I want to note, though, before we even begin to explain the armor of God, is just to point out. I mean, like I mentioned, the Ukrainians they the war came to them. They weren't looking for it; it just showed up. Uh, you might be not might not be looking for it as a Christian, but it's going to show up. It is going to come to you. It is going to uh, hit you in one way or another. It will be there. And so we have to ask ourselves, what type of soldier will we be? There are varying types of soldiers. Uh, there there are soldiers that are uh, covert spies that would be among the believers. And, and by that, what I mean is they might look like they're of us, but really aren't of us. They might talk a good talk at times and and maybe kind of sort of look Christianish, uh, but but really not the real deal. And so, you know, you've got to ask yourself, am I the real deal? Uh, some come in with the with the absolute intent of uh, muddying the waters uh, or of creating issues and problems. And we, we need to be able to be aware of those, make sure that we are not spies or make sure that we're not actually plants from the enemy. Uh, there are AWOL soldiers. AWOL means absent without leave. I mean, there are Christians that just, they don't show up. Uh, they don't show up in their own lives, and so they're just kind of run roughshod by by the enemy, or they do not show up in the body of Christ, and so the entirety of the body of Christ suffers because people don't show up. But I'm not talking showing up just to be at church. I'm talking about showing up with their armor on, showing up prayerfully, showing up uh, with words of encouragement, showing up with um, words of admonishment and all these different types of things. And there are a lot of AWOL uh, soldiers in the family of God. Sometimes they're AWOL, they're, they're present, but they're AWOL. I mean, they're, they're here, but they're not here. Uh, and we need to make sure that we are fully engaged. This spiritual life, friends, is is not a a uh, something that we can treat lightly. It is not something that is just a secondary consideration. It needs to be front and center all the time in our lives. And and yet we've kind of uh, been led to think that well, it's just that's a cursory thing. Everything should come underneath the umbrella of of our followership of Christ. If we're intent on following after Christ, everything comes under the umbrella. Uh, and so we show up for for church. We don't show up as consumers. We show up as soldiers. 
We don't show up thinking, well, will it be too hot today? Will it be too cold today? Will it be, you know, will he preach too long again today? Will he, you know, what's the sound going to be like? Uh, you know, um, all that, that's consumer stuff. We're showing up. We More of us need to show up and say, sure, show up prayerfully. Uh, we need to show up joyfully. Uh, we need to show up to, to say, what's my part? What am I, what am I going to do when I show up? Um, it's kind of that JFK, John F. Kennedy, not, ask not what your country will do for you. Ask what you will do for your country. Kind of the same thing. The JEC version of that, James E. Culbertson version of that is ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church type of thing to be that type of a soldier. So they're, they're spies, they're AWOL soldiers, another another soldier. Uh, how about the wounded soldier? We have wounded soldiers in our midst as well, people who have been hurt by others, people who have been hurt by the church, people that have uh, even hurt themselves at times uh, and, and maybe are so wounded that they're just kind of on the gurney. You know, they're, they're in a place where they really cannot fight. So uh, they joined, but... Uh, you know, they've been hurt by others uh, uh, themselves. They're not able to fight. Um, you know, they, they need healing. And we need to be in a place as well ourselves where we can identify wounded soldiers and think, find ways to come alongside them. Sometimes it's the word of encouragement. Sometimes it's stopping to pray with them. Sometimes it's an extra phone call. Sometimes it's an extra message. Sometimes it's a note of encouragement. Sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of cash. And, and uh, you know, I want us to stand ready. I want to thank those of you that uh, made contributions into the Benevolence Fund at veracitychapel.com backslash give. Uh, and click the little link uh, once that opens up that says give on the page that talks about giving. You click the link that, that says give and and then you, there's a drop-down menu where you can give to benevolence. Those that have done that, thank you. Uh, one person was helped. We helped a a mother who, a single mom who needed some uh, some help. Uh, and now we want to stand ready to help somebody else uh, in in, uh, in our family. Somebody very engaged in our family, but needs help. And and if you've already given to that fund, um, bless you. Uh, if you want to give something to that fund, you can do that. Or when you're here in person give to that fund uh, so we can help another individual in need. Uh, some came in toward that, but but we need to, to see a little bit more come in. So I just, that's a way that we can help the wounded. Uh, sometimes it's a financially, sometimes we help the wounded by helping them move out of the situation they're in, into a different situation. So anyway, um, wounded, they've been hurt by others themselves. So there, there are the uh, wounded soldiers. There are the trained and ready soldiers. Now, I, I've talked to people who say, well, I don't feel like I was ever discipled. Well, we're going to try to answer that for you this fall. And uh, we're, we're going to do some very intentional discipleship training as we learn to walk like Jesus. That's the title of the, the particular study that we're going to use that those say, I want to be discipled and I want to be ready to be a disciple maker. That study will take place this fall and maybe throughout the fall into the winter and, uh, and then different aspects of that to be trained, to be ready, to be spiritually fit. Uh, these are the soldiers that are willing to do any job and, and that will benefit the, 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 uh, the cause of Christ. These are the soldiers that will uh, 
these are the soldiers that will um, not leave any other soldier behind. Uh, you, you think of the good soldiers. We will not leave a soldier behind. We're going to go back and throw him over our shoulder, throw her over our shoulder, and get them out of that battle. Sometimes the grenades are going off. Sometimes the bullets are flying. and Sometimes we just need to shoulder in and uh, um, and help help a person out of the battle that they are in. Um, you know, so some of the steps to being a better soldier, I mean, one is to be strong in the Lord and the power is might. We've talked about that. Another step to being a good soldier is putting on the armor of God. Another step to being a good soldier is standing firm. I mean, that we, we're, we're just resolute in what we're going to do. We don't allow our emotions to control us. We don't allow our circumstances to control us. We keep on mission for the king. We're ready to follow the king of kings uh, into any battle, to fight to the death, giving our lives if need be. I mean, that that that's, sounds quite extreme, but there are people in the world, uh, look at uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs or Voice Voice of the Martyrs, persecutedchurch.org, persecuted.org. You, you, you can put some of those uh, into a Google search and it will bring up uh, and you can see what's happening in other places of the world. So then to think about the soldier also needs to know his enemy. I mean, we have a tricky enemy. We have an enemy that wants to thwart us. We want an enemy. We have an enemy. We want. We don't want an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to uh, discourage us, to disillusion us, to defeat us. Uh, and he's going to use every measure uh, at, his, at his disposal to do so. Uh, it's kind of like back to the Revolutionary War. Remember the Revolutionary War? Not that you were there. I don't think anybody here is quite old enough for that. Um, and even the one that's closest to that is still not old enough to, uh, to have been there. But in the Revolutionary War, how the, uh, if you learned it in school, the uh, British troops would march in their straight uh, rank and file and um, you know, they would take their shot and kneel down. The next group would take their shot, and, and that's how they fought. But the uh, the American revolutionaries fought with pitchforks and axes, and they they came up from underneath the uh, uh, underneath the sides of the road or up out of trees or or all that type of thing. We need to be ready to take that type of battle as well, because that's how Satan's going to fight with us. He he's. He's going to take the kind of the American revolutionary approach, and we need to be ready to take the uh, revolutionary approach in every measure, every means that we can take to fight the battle. Now, again, there were six pieces, five pieces actually of defensive armor and one offensive piece of armor. The, the five uh, off defensive were the belt of truth, the, breath, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of, uh, that go on our feet that, that prepare us, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, uh, and the helmet of salvation, uh, all things meant to defend us. Uh, and then lastly, the sword of the spirit. Now let's talk a little bit about the uh, the girdle, the belt of truth, and just what this is. Now, you know, the belt belt goes around the waist. We know that the belt goes around the waist. We understand that the belt goes around the waist. But what you need to remember is that in their day, they often wore uh, 
like the, the, the long robes at times. They didn't wear pants like we wear today. Uh, and so this belt of uh, that would go around their loins was a belt that would go around the waist, but then also come up underneath uh, be, between the legs and, and, and kind of pull up that robe to get it tied up out of the way so that they could could run and uh, have have freedom of movement. And so, I mean, we have this, this belt of truth, uh, belt commonly worn by the Roman soldiers. It was usually four to six inches wide. It was fastened around the middle. It was made of leather, sometimes of linen. Uh, many times it would support that uh, that cloak that hung down. Uh, the, the belt was worn on the outside of the robe. Uh, and so we've read the statement, gird up your loins, and that this is getting ready for battle. Uh, to wrap it around ourselves. The other thing about the the belt that was so critical and why it's first is it was also the belt that held the sword. Without the belt, you do not have something to hold your defensive weapon. And so we, we have to put on the, the belt of uh, truth. And we'll talk about truth. What is the truth? The truth is the word of God. That is what is the truth. Some translations will say, have your... Uh, have your loins girded with the truth, like the New American Standard Bible will say that. I mean, the idea of loin is a, you might think of tenderloin or something like that with meat, but it's a kind of an uncommon term in, in our modern language. Uh, often refers to uh, to the lower back, but also includes the crotch area. You know, we've talked about that and, and, and the idea of trying to gird up the loins to get everything kind of tied out of the way, all the clothing tied out of the way so that we'd be able to run. The Lord knew that our loins need to be wrapped in truth, regardless of the culture we live in, um, regardless of the time that we live in. The Lord has seen all the paths we've taken, how they've hurt and how they derail us. He knows we need to have our truth. Um, have his truth that we apply to our lives. Uh, David Chadwick said this. He said, the first piece of the armor is the belt of truth. Truth, by its very definition, is exclusive. It's something, it means something is true, and that there are other things then that are untrue or are lies. And Satan is himself the father of lies. It tells us that in John 8, 44. Uh, and every other piece of the, of the armor of God is attached to the belt of truth. I mean, the sword, the oftentimes the, the shield is attached to it. Uh, now, the helmet might not be attached to it, but, but I mean, it is the critical, the first piece. And, and how do we apply it? Well, we, we apply it by looking at God's truth. What is God's truth in the circumstance? You look up the particular situation and say, what is God's truth about this? You know, uh, we, we take hold of all of Scripture and what Scripture has to say. Uh, we don't just study the easy parts. We, we we don't just select a verse on the subject. You look to see all that God has to say. We pray God's Word, and uh, you use the Word of Truth as, as a template to guide us in our prayers and saying, God, you say this in your Word, and we're coming back to what you said in your Word and wanting to apply what you said in your Word. And we memorize the truth. Uh, we meditate upon the truth. Those are some ways that we can apply God's truth to our lives. 
Uh, let me think of some other, see if I'm missing anything. Uh, I mean, Jesus says, one of the questions in Jesus' day is, what is truth? And Jesus' response to what is truth is that God's word is truth. Jesus said of himself, he is the truth. So to put on truth is literally put on the word of God and on Christ. So we need to know the truth, we need to believe the truth, we need to act on the truth, the truth, the truth of the word of God. The second piece that we put on is the breast. Uh, the, the 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 breastplate breastplate of righteousness. Now there were really two types of breastplates that were worn by Roman soldiers. One was made joining several broad curved metal bands together using using leather laces. Second type was kind of like a a, uh, a type of chain uh, constructed by joining many metal many metal rings together. And you've seen those. You like if you ever watch, uh, well, jousting is it? Um, people that are, have taken up swordsmanship, they may have on that type of armor of God. And the purpose of the breastplate was to form a barrier for the vital organs. Now we are told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It, it, the righteousness is to cover our hearts, and it's not our own righteousness. It isn't that that we're living out this uh, astute, phenomenal, uh, excellent, uh, you know, moral life all on our own. No, it's it's a reality that we're applying the righteousness of Christ to our lives, that he is righteous. And, and, and we seek to live as righteous, and when we fall down from living as righteous, we come back to him, seek his forgiveness, seeking to live in right relationship with God, that, that, that breastplate of righteousness. The idea of covering the vital organs. Uh, we're told, I believe it's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, to guard your what? Heart, for out of it comes the wellspring of life. So we guard our heart. We have to guard our emotions. We have to guard the things that we think about that then impact our emotions. I mean, it's entirely possible that our emotions uh, take us away. Uh, it, can, it can be emotional, uh, something emotional when we are, um, something emotional when uh, you're being tantalized to buy that new car, you know, we'll just sit in it. We'll, we'll take it for a spin. We'll, we'll take it home for the night. See how it looks in your driveway. You know, kind of appealing to the emotions in that type of a way. Uh, and I'm not saying that the car salesmen are evil. I, I'm not trying to imply that whatsoever. But, but I mean, that's kind of what happens is things uh, appeal to our emotions we have to we have to guard the emotions we have to first act with our brain uh, and, and allow our brains to dictate uh, the course of action and not allow our emotions to dictate the course of action so we put on this breastplate of righteousness that goes over our hearts you know we receive Christ by faith uh, we enter into the position of righteousness before God and Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, to be found in him not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but we have a righteousness that is through faith in Christ, by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us, he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made 
the righteousness of God. We 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 are made righteous positionally, and we we need to guard that righteousness in our lives by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, how do we protect this? I mean, the the main purpose, as I've already said, was to protect the heart, the heart, the most vital organ. Uh, you know, in every spiritual battle, the heart is important because it's the seat of emotion. And we have to win the battle for the heart to win the spiritual battle uh, and just learning how to do this. And so one of the steps that we take to guard the heart is to say, Christ, be Lord of my heart today. That's a step that we can take to guard our hearts. So putting on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, looking at all my various notes that I have, um, how do we apply the righteousness of uh, the, the uh, breastplate of righteousness? We soak in and obey the instructions of the Lord. Sometimes, if there's a, an area where we get all tangled up in our sins, or in our emotions, or in our thoughts, we, we go to another believer uh, and, and ask them to pray for us. We ask them to share with us some scriptural truths that might help us walk in God's plan more fully. Uh, you, you ask them to check in on us. You ask them to help us be accountable. Uh, I mean, we're, we're such easy targets, and our, our hearts can be so vulnerable, so we have to really guard our hearts. Going back into the text of Scripture, looking at what it says, uh, verse 14 said, Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And then I'll do one more, then, then we'll finish up tomorrow perhaps. Verse 15 says, And your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Our feet. Uh, how, how do we fit our feet? Uh, what what does this mean? What is the implication of of having our feet fitted? Um, well, peace peace is an attribute uh, of the Lord's very character, His very makeup. Peace is something He offers to the believer. Uh, in in Greek. The word peace means oneness or wholeness. The gospel, uh, which means good news, is the forgiveness of sin, access to and oneness with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So we stand in peace with God. Now, now to talk about the peace, our feet ready with the gospel of peace, that, that we run to the peace of God, that we run in the peace of God, that we run in the relationship with God that he has granted to us, uh, that we would have his peace. And there's much that can be said about peace. Uh, peace can be thwarted. Paul speaks about anxiety in, a, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4. He talks about you know, don't be anxious for anything, but in any and every circumstance, any and every situation, uh, pursue God. Uh, bring bring your prayer request to God. 
beseech God, thank God, talk to God about what's going on. And, and the promise is that when we bring the anxiety, we bring the circumstance, we bring the situation to God, uh, he will give us peace that goes beyond understanding. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 that tells us that. Uh, if you're making a decision and you don't have total peace, you, you need to say, God, help me to have peace or to be able to move on from this decision. Um, and I've applied that different junctures along the way in my own life. Uh, several years ago, we were being asked to come uh, pastor a church, and, and I really liked the church, and I really liked the philosophy of the church, and liked the vibe of the church, and liked the town the church was in. Um, and, and everything seemed like, yes, we should go there. But I did not have an internal green light from the Holy Spirit. I did not have peace I had a sense of the Spirit saying, don't do this. So we didn't. And then a few months later, we found out why. There was something that was taking place in the church that, that I was currently pastoring that came to light that, that I really needed to be there for the next year to help that church navigate through. And, and had I not been there, it would have been even more disastrous than it was. Uh, and God knew what was coming down the pike. God knew the situation in this particular family's life that would impact many other families' lives, and um, uh, and it was just necessary that I be there. I I couldn't have seen that coming. So we we look to the Lord for His peace. How how do we gain this peace of God? I mean, we ask the Lord daily to remind us of His gospel and His work on our behalf and who we are in Christ. We, we set our identity in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our morality, not in our behavior, but we set it in Christ, who we are in Christ and everything that God's word has to say about us. Uh, we we surround ourselves with scripture about, about God's truth about us and about God's truth about the situation. Uh, and so we make that application to our lives. Are you guys okay if I keep going a little bit further? Um, I think you are. You can't answer my question uh, anyway. Uh, what about these the, the shoes, the, this gospel of peace? Romans' shoes were made of thick leather with straps that tied to their lower leg. Uh, sometimes the soles were made of wood. Uh, sometimes they were covered with leather for comfort. Sometimes they were made of like a corkish type of material, often Times though perhaps made of a thick leather or several layers of leather to protect their feet. Uh, sometimes they were studded with nails on the bottom for better traction. Um, soldiers marched, marching into battle needed a firm foundation, needed sure footing. Uh, and the word translated prepared or readiness in verse 15 really is, is the idea of being able to stand your ground. It's the idea of a firm foundation that you get your feet into a level place so that you can fight the battle. So, you know, the soldier marching into battle with the shoes, the shoes provided that firm foundation when the battle was raging to get your feet into a solid place. Christian needs special types of shoes for the battle that we're in, the gospel of peace. The gospel is the fact that, that God sent his son uh, to be our savior. Christ lived that sinless life uh, in the flesh. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He has given us new life. He has given us our fresh chance. Uh, he is our peace. He has broken down the wall between us and between God. 
And so peace is the appropriation of this gospel reality into our lives. And so the gospel of peace affects us in three areas. We have peace with God, which is salvation. Uh, We have uh, peace with other Christians, which is unity. And then we have peace with the circumstances, the fact that we were resting in God's sovereignty, that God is going to uh, come through in the circumstance. Yeah, it might get bumpy, it might get rough, might be some clatter of, of swords that takes place. There might be some punches thrown. All those things can happen, spiritually speaking. But the absence of worry is that we know that, that God will bring us through. Now, how do we put on these shoes of the gospel? First, we need a personal relationship with Christ. That's number one. And if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would give yourself to Christ Acknowledge him as your Savior. Acknowledge your sinfulness. Acknowledge that he died for your sins so that you could have eternal life. You, you need to believe in him. John 1.12 says, For as many as receive him, to those who've believed in his name, he's given them the right to be called children of God. So the necessity of believing in Christ. Secondly, to know that that uh, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse thirty three. If 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 everything is confusion, like utter chaos, utter confusion, I can tell you that is not of God. In fact, we're told that Satan is the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. Another step that we take, we we. Keep our attention on the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26.3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast upon you. So to have this peace, Isaiah 26.3, to have this peace, to keep our minds steadfastly pointed uh, upon Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. When we're allowing the Holy Spirit to control our hearts, to control our minds, then we will have peace. And then we love God's word. Uh, we pray and we love God's word, those, those things I've already mentioned. So those are some ways that we can have the peace. Um, there are two more left, and I, I'm not going to continue on with those two. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, we'll come back. There's plenty of teaching there for, for uh, quite a bit more time. Uh, but for us today to ask ourselves, do we have our, uh, do we have on the belt of truth? Uh, are we have we put the breastplate of righteousness in place? Have we put the, the the shoes of the gospel of peace on our feet? You know, you're getting up, you're getting rolling, you're getting ready to get into your day, and so we we put on the armor of God. That's what we do. We we take those measures put on the armor of God. So I want to pray for you. I pray for me. I pray for us that uh, we would each put on God's armor today. Lord, we we do come to you. Uh, We acknowledge that we need to stand. Uh, There are different ones of us in different types of battles, uh, some in very intense battles within themselves, some at battles within the circumstances in which they find themselves, some in, in battles of the trickery of the devil and the ways that he wants to work in such uh, deceitful, cunning, and crafty ways. Lord, help each of my brothers and sisters to stand today 
on the solid ground of Jesus Christ. Help us to, to, to ready our feet with the preparation of the gospel, the peace that you give. Help us to ready our hearts by saying, God, guard my heart today. And then also uh, what we what we need to do uh, I lost my thoughts there, folks. But but Lord, what we need to do to put on your armor. Lord, help us today to live in you, to live for you, to live victorious in whatever battles come today. Lord, we need your help. And as Ben already said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, hear our prayer. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I'm going to let you go today, get into your day, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.